Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito The Columbus Blue Jackets are officially hot. Been waiting a while to say those words. Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Jackets have won five in a row at the time of this recording and have launched themselves right back into the thick of the playoff race. We'll talk about how they've done it and what they'll have to do for this, the final week of the regular season. And of course, as always, we will take your questions. You may have heard the ads at the beginning of the show and the end of the show and in the middle of the show. We are officially on the SB Nation platform. We're really excited about it. Uh, We want to thank everybody over at SB Nation for helping us get started and uh, looking forward to bigger and better things as we continue. Joining us today, we have Eric Seeds. Good evening. How are you? I'm I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, Better than last week. Will, we've got Will Chase. Hey, how's it going? Good, boys. The handful of episodes we've done have not been the most joyous. Of episodes, uh, with the exception of the trade deadline podcast, Jackets have won five in a row. They're like ninety-two percent to make the playoffs. Uh, how are we feeling right now? I mean, what a difference a week makes, right? Last week we were recording saying the Blue Jackets basically had to had to get as many points as they possibly could to even stay in the playoff race, considering everyone else they were playing or competing against was winning. The Jackets came out with a big win Tuesday night at home. Then they came out and thumped Montreal on Thursday night in a game they had to have to uh, swing the playoff race. And then the Jackets decided to sweep the weekend just for good measure. And now they are in the first wildcard position. They control their destiny for the first wildcard position. And with a win tomorrow night, Tuesday night, against uh, the Boston Bruins and a Montreal loss, the Columbus Blue Jackets will officially clinch a playoff spot. It, there is a scenario where the Blue Jackets clinch Tuesday night. Did we? Did any of us see that coming last week? No way. <laughs> I mean, it's just like it's it's kind of like back to that peak euphoria um, back at the trade deadline when the Blue Jackets went all in, and I feel like every other week, you know, we're high on them. Then they disappoint us, and now it's, you know, they've won five in a row, like uh, Seeds just said. The, the the amazing thing is they've outscored opponents something like 24-4, to four, I believe, um, mm-hmm. over the win streak Correct. with three shutouts. I mean, Bobrovsky has just been incredible. The offense is clicking like it hasn't before, and, 
yeah, hopefully they can take care of business tomorrow night. Um, a win would be ideal, but I'm looking at least for a point. I want to keep the good vibes going, um, and hopefully Columbus just takes care of business tomorrow night. For me, that's the thing. You kind of touched on it, Will. It's not that the Jackets are winning games and, and like, oh, it's five in a row and they're battling it out and they're, they're playing for their playoff lives and they're desperate. I mean, they are beating the crap out of people. 24 to four is outrageous in their last five games. I don't, I don't, I can't remember a stretch, certainly not this season where the Blue Jackets have played that well. And Sergei Bobrovsky's pitching shutout, p- pitching shutout after shutout like he's like a Cy Young winner or something. <laughs> if, 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 if Bob puts up one more shutout this season, he'll tie the franchise record for shutouts in a single season, um, which was Steve Mason way back in the day. And we've done a third of that in like a week. Yeah, and, and it was crazy as he has, I, I want to say it's eight shutouts now since February 1st. I mean, that's insane that he's gotten all of these shutouts within the last, you know, basically two months now. Uh, but yeah, and also, you know, the, the offense, I mean, going back to the offense, you know, three goals in the first period, each of the last two games, you know, they against Montreal, as bad as it looked in the first period, they exploded after that. And I don't know, I, I go back to the Vancouver game. I don't know what happened before that game, rather, um, really after the Edmonton game, where I actually tweeted on the Canon uh, Twitter saying, you know, after that Edmonton loss, the Blue Jackets really need really need to look in the mirror. And so far, five straight wins yeah. and beer and dinner, I guess, with the players helped because as we discussed, <laughs> beer cures all. Yeah, it's different. It's just a different. They've all seemed to have bought in, figured it out. You know, they're, they're doing exactly what I questioned whether they could actually do. And I didn't think they were going to. I figured they can't beat Edmonton. They had a horrible, basically a horrible Canadian West Coast trip. I wasn't thinking five straight wins. I was thinking here they might win a game against Vancouver or they have a letdown against the Islanders or Canadians. But yeah, so far they're really clicking. It's got to be the beer and dinner, right? I, there was an article, I think it was in The Athletic about it. And, you know, no, 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 nobody's saying what they said or what they talked about. But, I mean, this is a completely different team in every phase of the game, except for the power play and the penalty kill. Completely different. Right. I don't I don't recognize this Blue Jackets team like these guys are playing like their hair is on fire every single shift. Um, and there there hasn't really been any major lineup no. changes either. The only the only real changes have been um, Dean Kukon come or Scott Harrington coming back in for Adam McQuaid after McQuaid was leveled yeah. on a let's be real. That should have oh, been a suspension sure. hit because Andrew Shaw tried to decapitate Adam McQuaid at the blue line. And then. Um, the only other change that's been made was swapping Duchesne and Dubois. And immediately after that change was made, the first line exploded for eight points combined against the, uh, against the national predators on Saturday night. I mean, these guys are playing really like the team we expected them to play like after the trade deadline. And for whatever reason, this last week, 10 days, they finally clicked. And now they're, they control their destiny for the first wildcard position. Pittsburgh is within catching distance, although their schedule makes that unlikely, but they have everything to play for here down the stretch. It's kind of, it's kind of fun to see. I think it's kind of like we were wondering what happened to the offense, whether it was Artemi Panarin or Dubois. And, you know, it's not really a coincidence in my mind that a guy like Panarin starts hitting the score sheet every night with four assists against Nashville 
in the first period, three in the first period alone. He's got a, well, he had a point streak going for four games. He didn't have anything last night, but whether it's Dubois, Panarin, David Savard scoring goals, yeah. Oliver Bjorkstrand is, Oliver Bjorkstrand has been on fire. I mean, I think over the last, uh, basically since the, uh, the new year, January 1st, he is right behind Atkinson, Panarin, Actually, I think he's tied with Panarin and Duchesne with 15 goals, I want to say, and right behind Atkinson. So, I mean, he's he's basically been the scoring along with the, the main guys you think of. And he's got five goals in the last four games. <laughs> Ryan Dezingles also apparently started to figure it out. Uh, six points in five games, I think it is, or maybe five and six. And then, you know, I love how whenever a fourth line emerges for the Blue Jackets that, that doesn't look like total dog vomit, it's like the favorite thing for sports writers, right? Like, like Portsline. And I'm not, dis- I'm not dissing anybody, but like, you know what I mean? It's like the fourth line of Nash and Dubinsky and Felino, And it's like, and I mean, to be fair, they've been very good, but it's just like, it's like the Bruce Springsteen of a hockey line where every sports writer like just loves it. It's their favorite thing in the world. So I get that. That's, yeah. that's neat to see. I mean, like the jackets are rolling four lines now. That's something we talked about. Their ice time the other night was extremely balanced. I think there was only like four minutes difference between uh, like Panarin and Bjorkstrand, which we all know Bjorkstrand should probably be getting more time anyway. But the fact is it's not playing, you know, Panarin 20 minutes a night and playing Bjorkstrand eight. Like that doesn't exist anymore. They're rolling four lines against good teams, Buffalo notwithstanding. And it's good. I I have watched that Duchesne to Panarin goal uh, probably like 25 times since Thursday night. They're playing... It's like I said, they're just not grinding anymore. I mean, they are, but they are scoring skillful goals. They're making, Bob's making big saves and, and not like bailing out the team big saves either, but just like kind of, I don't want to say run of the mill big saves, but the big saves you would have to make to steal a game or a series. So yeah, I don't know, man. It's just, it's fun again. That's the thing. Um, we're not seeing Bobrovsky have to win a one nothing game because he's getting six goals or it seems like five goals a game now. But, you know, he's got three shutouts. So it's like, it's not like they're winning 6-4. It's not like they're winning one nothing. They're actually, I mean, without saying perfect hockey, it's almost as perfect as you could be, at least in this five-game winning streak sample, as far as getting all the goals. But goaltending has just been insane and really going for a while now. I mean, the goaltending has been great, really, for a long time. We've, we've talked about that numerous times. But just this week alone, and of course, Bobrovsky is the first star of the week, obviously, when you have three shutouts, five wins, you give up, what, two goals mm-hmm. <laughs> in a couple of games or something. I mean, yeah, it's just been pretty remarkable, I guess, would be the word, as far as where this team was a week ago after Edmonton. And just one more thing to add, I think uh, maybe they needed the Edmonton game. It's either this team is done, we're going downhill, and that was just kind of the camel that, or the straw that broke the camel's back. Or they band together and be like, we need to just turn this around now. I think they have. And I think we've gone, you know, almost 10 minutes here without mentioning the defense has played outstanding Mm -hmm. this last week. Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski have been everywhere on the ice. Those two guys are not only putting up points, they're limiting chances. They're doing they're supporting the forwards. They're back checking. They're, they're taking away chances for guys. Um, Seth Jones, Seth Jones is averaging like 25 minutes over the last week and a half or something. That dude, that dude is going to win multiple Norris trophies for this hockey club. Zach Wierenski has, is playing the best hockey he's played all season of late. He looks to have regained his confidence and maybe throwing that monkey into the crowd a few weeks ago 
yeah. really did a lot for him. But they're not the only two doing it. Marcus Nudavara seems to have finally uh, re- rediscovered his game. That feed, that's or uh, that he helped uh, spring Matt Duchesne yeah. on that uh, yeah. Duchesne to Aaron the goal the other night. I mean, that was that was disgusting. Um, that entire sequence was just fantastic. And then uh, David Savard has turned into a scoring machine out of absolutely nowhere, which is which has only bolstered our mm-hmm. our offense. And he's still he's still playing solid defense. And then. Um, the bottom, the bottom pairing of McQuaid, Harrington, Nudov, or uh, Dean Kukan, whatever mix and match uh, puzzle you want to put down there, they've they've done their job. You know, they might only get 12, 13 minutes a night, but they're they're doing what they need to do on in their role, and it's it's been outstanding to see the defense play their best hockey when uh, down here down the stretch and getting ready for play the playoffs. I think we had all kind of just accepted facing Tampa in the first round. And all of a sudden, that's not the case anymore. There's a very real chance the Jackets will play Washington again, which I think, I mean, you might feel differently. I would rather have the Caps. I know this team doesn't have a great track record of facing mm-hmm. demons, mm-hmm. playoff demons again, but I would rather take the Caps than one of the best teams to lace them up in the last 20 years. But I agree. I would I would like to see them play Washington because I mean they they did take the regular season series from the Caps. We saw them play well against them at least in the first couple of games. Really, they won the first two last year in the playoffs. They they had a good game five that I was at in DC where it was what overtime. They could have won that game, just didn't happen. But I think they I think that'd be a really even series. I think it could go six or seven. Um, but yeah, I, I think playing Washington, I think they would have a good shot against them, not taking anything away from the Caps. They are the defending champs, but I like them better in that matchup. I, I even kind of thought Boston, we've seen them play pretty well against them. We'll see a good you know, preview tomorrow night, I guess. But I, I do think that against the Caps, if that was the series, I mean, it's not Tampa at least. And I know certain people might not care about playing Tampa. I would rather, I think, see Washington. But yeah, I think that would be an interesting series. Right. It's it's wild to see. I'd rather see the defending stay in the cup champions, but I don't want to be <laughs> Alderaan playing the Death Star here. You know, um, I'd, I'd rather see Washington because we play we've played them well this season. We played them well in that series last year. And let's be real. We owe them something after they came into our barn and won three games last year to win that series. Um, I'm still salty about that. I feel like the Blue Jackets are still salty about that, and I feel like we owe them something for them winning that series on our home ice and for Tom Wilson decapitating Alexander Winberg. There's a score to settle here, and I feel like the Blue Jackets, as they're playing right now, with the added offensive firepower, um, we can make it a series. Did you guys know every single player in our top six has 25 goals this season at a minimum? (laughs) I saw that. That is bananas. That is bananas. That is bananas. Though that is. (laughs) I mean, I don't see any reason. I don't see any reason with that lineup. We should be scared of the Washington Capitals going into a first round series. I I wouldn't say I would. I wouldn't say we're. They should be overconfident. But this team will never be overconfident in a playoff series ever again. I hope. No. I just wanted to say real fast. I like. I like their the rivalry they have with the Caps. I actually think that's a pretty good standing little rivalry they've gotten going of course with the playoff series last year and uh the the jackets owe them payback from for last year and the caps will probably go in remembering the whole koozie celebration and have their own little stuff up on on their minds so it will be a good little series 
I forgot about the koozie celebration. That was <laughs> <laughs> I hope they would do it again if they win. Carolina got rid of the storm surge, so there is a void of playoff celebration that the Jackets will hopefully fill. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got listener questions in just a second. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. We are back with your questions. We've got a couple good ones for this episode. Starting off, Wes Branscombe. Does making a run put us back in play for Panarin and Bob to sign, or do you see them being gone as a done deal? I think those guys are gone. Um, I don't I don't think there's any way Sergei Bobrovsky re-signs here, and I don't think Panarin signs here. Um, if, if Panarin was going to sign here, I think the, uh, the eighth year would have made him will, more willing to stay, but because he went past the trade deadline and forfeited that. I just don't see either way those guys sign here. I would like to keep at least Artemi Panarin here. I, 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 we, we know I've been high on Elvis. Um, and credit to me, I did not go stalk him when he was at Easton on Monday afternoon. But, uh, um, I think... You thought about it. I, I, it, I seriously considered it. But I think... <laughs> but I, I I just think they want something else, and that's that's well within their rights so long as they play um, 100% every night uh, here to the end of the season, where, whenever that may be. So, Yeah, I think Sergey is definitely gone. I mean, just they have Elvis, they have, they, they, they have Corpusalo, they have kind of a lot of goalies, I guess you could say. Of course, you know, Bobrovsky has proven in a sense that we don't know necessarily about Corpusalo and especially Elvis, but I think Bobrovsky is definitely gone. I think, and hopefully it'll be a nice run, you know, assuming they're in the playoffs. But anyway, yeah, I do think Bobrovsky is gone and hopefully he goes out on a good note, I guess, so to speak. But uh, I, Panarin's probably gone as well. I have the slightest hope that he's having too much fun with the, uh, Duchesne and Atkinson and all these guys that in a long playoff run potentially would entice him to want to stay. I don't know. He's probably gone as well. I think the, the main guys to try to think about keeping or you would hope would stay would be maybe the single and Duchesne. But yeah, I think of the two, I would I would love to keep an Aaron, but I definitely I, I would doubt it. I don't think he's going to come back. That's how I feel. I think Bob's a lost cause in that in that sense, and it's his right to leave and Totally fine. Panarin, you just hold out a little bit of hope, but like like Seed says, once he went past the trade deadline, it got a lot less likely. Um, I do think a playoff run would help Duchesne. I have no idea where his mind's at, and nobody does except for him and his family. I do think he has seemed pleasantly surprised by Columbus and the fan base, and everything he says has been good in, in that sense. I think... I think him seeing a playoff atmosphere nationwide, especially if they can win a series, will be kind of a wake-up call or at least like a new revelation for him. I, I'm I'm pinning some hopes on that, but I mean, who knows? But that's that's kind of I know that wasn't the question, but that's kind of what I'm thinking regarding that. 
Yeah, and just to put a cap on that, I would I would agree. I think Duchesne and Dezingle have to be the prime free agency targets for this team. Um, I know Duchesne has wanted to go somewhere where he can A, settle down with his family, and B, play playoff hockey and win. And I think a, a an extended run would go a long way to showing him that, showing him the value of the city, um, and that it's a good place to raise a family. It's a good place to win. It's a good place to kind of maintain your anonymity. Um, but this, this is, this can be a town that loves their hockey team. And I believe Matt Duchesne has only played something like four career playoff games. So if he were, if the jackets were to go on an extended run, that could really show him a lot here going forward. Fingers crossed. Uh, Yeah. I mean, with Duchesne, he might think, Hey, we have a good team. There's obviously a little bit of uncertainty with the roster going forward, but if a guy like him stays, it obviously makes the team better already. And then you get all the other pieces. Yeah, you might lose Panarin or Bobrovsky, but you hope that Elvis and Corpusala play well in net and to kind of stabilize that area and the offense, I think would still be pretty good if you see Bjork Strand doing what he's doing now. Hopefully that continues. Atkinson, Josh Anderson has just been, you know, incredible really over the last month or so. Uh, I, I do think they can make up for that loss of potentially Panarin if a guy like uh, Duchesne and maybe Zingle and all these other guys are there and are still playing at the clip that they are now. So hopefully Duchesne would be enticed to want to stick around because it. I think it would be Columbus is a nice town and I think that you know he might already feel like he's in a good situation with the team as far as a, a winner or a potential winner. And don't forget future uh, Rocket Richard winner Alexander Texier. That's right. That's right. Maybe Jean-Luc Grandpierre could sell him some real estate in New Albany. Uh, just to just to see, it's eight playoff games for Matt Duchesne, uh, six of those in 2010, two of those in 2014, so still fewer games than Zach Wierenski, who is a good deal younger than me. I mean, wow. he hasn't played since he was played in the playoffs since he was 23. So, all right, moving on. And Wierenski got hurt. <laughs> yes, exactly. I know. I, 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 I subtracted a couple of games there. Um, next question. This is from uh, Blue Hoser. With the offense clicking and Bob recording shutouts, what would you say the largest concern is for the team moving forward? I would say the bottom pairing of the defense, just because you're going to have to play those guys at some point. Uh, I know they've played admirably well of late, and, and I know I just got done singing their praises a little bit ago, but it's still a concern. We've seen each of Scott Harrington, Adam McQuaid, and uh, Dean Kukon make mistakes. So I just, I worry about the, basically I worry about every minute Seth Jones is not on the ice. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's kind of my thought because, you know, Seth Jones is great. I like, you know, Rensky on the ice, uh, but yeah, I mean, whether it's Harrington, Kukan, uh, there's kind of a drop off obviously on the back end, but I think for me, it's kind of this team is playing so well they should be so confident that you hope that that just continues going into game one of a you know of a potential playoff series you want to see it just continue i mean i'm not expecting five goals in a playoff game every day or shutouts or anything like that but we need to see bobrovsky and have be able to steal that playoff game here or there in the offense be able to get that goal when they need it it's basically just continue what they're doing in a sense but uh they they were playing so well last season. I was thinking about it earlier. Last season they were so iffy. Most of the time it was the goaltending and Bobrovsky that was winning these games, and the offense wasn't really clicking. And then last March they went on that ten game winning streak, 
and went into the playoffs playing pretty well. And now it's instead of it being the whole month of March, it's basically the last week of March and hopefully early April that the team is rolling. And hopefully maybe it's like they're not peaking or they're peaking at the right time, basically not peaking too soon, but peaking when they need to be peaking. So I think it's just hoping that all the good, what they're doing just continues, just take it a game at a time, but keep elevating their game and trying to match what's going on around them, I guess. I'm still worried about the right. power play. I'm still worried about that. Yeah. Um, Pale Dragon had his recap of the month of March. And one thing I love that he does is put the stats for each month and you can see the team's rank relative to that month. They scored at an 11% clip in the month of March, 11.4 for 28th in the league. Penalty kill is incredibly good. Elite tier. Yeah. But that power play, I don't, you can, you, you don't need a great power play to win in the playoffs, but a good one would help. And I don't even think they have that. So that's, that's the only thing for me that is just a clear sticks out like a sore thumb. I think, I think even the Blackhawks, when they were winning cups, didn't have a great power play. It was probably better than what the Blue Jackets are now. But what's weird is how they've played teams lately, like Nashville, uh, Montreal, where the, the Islanders, I think, or maybe not the Islanders, but they've played teams this past week where the, their power play was actually worse than Columbus or right around the same. So kind of weird when you see Columbus's power play in bold on the preview lately because <laughs> it means it's actually better than the other teams. So. Right, Nashville has like the worst power play in the league. Speaking to uh, the confidence that you guys were talking about going into the playoffs here, it's really nice to see Sergei Bobrovsky putting up these shutouts late in March because um, I know it's been talked about ad nauseum with Bobrovsky's playoffs, but he the, the guy's never given up fewer than uh, three goals in a playoff game mm-hmm. in, his, in the entirety of his career with Philadelphia or with Columbus. So to see him playing this well down the stretch when the team has to have it means Bob is locked in, confident, seeing the puck well, his defense is helping him out. Um, that can only bode well going forward. And if if the Jackets can get, you know, a 2.0, 2.5 goals against from Sergei Bobrovsky in the, in the playoffs, we've seen that this offense, uh, these forwards, can put up the goals to win win hockey games in the playoffs. That's That's... That's huge. So with so I guess my one I guess I'm kind of saying my my biggest concerns going forward are the bottom pair of the defense and can Bob keep this up? And given how locked in he's looked, I think Bob can that and that would be huge for this hockey team going forward. No question. And it's funny, you guys don't know the questions ahead of time. I do. So I love how much you guys have talked about the bottom pairing because our final question from El Polito. Question on the bottom pairing. Harry has been adequate this season, but is prone to repetitive mistakes. Randy is a veteran, also prone to mistakes. Kukan has the least experience. Harry probably has done enough work this season to be on that last pairing, but Kukan and Randy have been effective, albeit in a small sample size. And of course, Adam McQuaid, Scott Harrington, and Team Kukan. How would you structure the last pairing for the playoffs? Oh, uh, I, I think I would go... I think I would go McQuaid Kukon if McQuaid is healthy, only because Kukon Kukon has played so well the last week and a half when he's played when he's played. That dude has shown no fear and no hesitation with the puck on his stick. That that is huge in the playoffs because you need the confidence. You need a guy who's willing to 
make a tough pass to clear the zone, maybe just even to get a change. Um, the Jackets have struggled at times this month with clearing the puck from their zone and getting that line change. And Kukan seems willing to make the tough pass to get it out of the zone. And I'm, and I want to have that in the lineup in the playoffs when you're facing someone like a Washington, when you can get bogged down with uh, John Carlson, Evgeny Kuznetsov, and Alex Ovechkin just hammering away at Sergei Bobrovsky. It's, it's nice to have someone who can clear that, clear that puck. And then I think I'd like to have Adam McQuaid with him because the dudes want a cup. He's a big, he's a big guy, but he's a, he's a great locker room presence. He's a big body. He's not afraid to throw a hit. He can, you know, body up a, a Tom Wilson type and uh, keep the keep the offensive players honest. I think I'd rather I think that's the lineup I'd like to have. And then if you have to turn to Scott Harrington at some point, he's an adequate replacement for either of those guys. Yeah, I agree. I, McQuaid, like when we, when we were talking about McQuaid, when we when they first brought him in at the, the, the uh, trade deadline, I was thinking of him as that. Probably not a flashy guy, obviously, but he can probably get the job done on a night-to-night basis, or at least when he's in the lineup. He is that bruiser. We've seen that. I think I do think that the bruising element that he brings would be something that the team could definitely use in the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, and I agree with Kukan. I mean, he's if he's playing well, keep going with it. He's gotten you know on the offensive side, he's gotten a couple of assists. Uh, one against Montreal, one against Nashville. Um, he played 17:49 last night against Buffalo. I think that uh, just kind of go with what's working right now, hot hand. Um, but yeah, and again with Harrington, uh, he is. I guess you could say he's an adequate. He is an adequate replacement. I mean, we've seen quite a bit of him this year. In fact, in my uh, profile of him before the season, I said, or actually, I think it might have been the end of season review last year. I was basically saying he's not going to get a whole whole lot of minutes. You're, he's just a replacement, and he's played I don't know sixty games I think this year or whatever. So um, he's played more than I thought, and he actually had nice offensive, a little bit of an offensive upside when he was playing. But yeah, Kukan and uh, McQuaid, I think I would I agree with Seeds. I do not want to see Adam McQuaid in there. That is just me. I don't I don't know if he's built for playoff hockey in the year twenty nineteen. I, I mean, like, I get it. I think I can totally envision a scenario where the Jackets lose the first two games and they bring McQuaid in to try and stop the bleeding and like throw his weight around in game three. That is where I see him. As a joke answer, I was going to say just roll the top four defensemen and, you know, let Seth <laughs> Jones play 30 minutes a night. But yeah, which, which honestly, Tordred is probably going to do at least with that Seth Jones ice time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I expect <sighs> Seth Jones to play 28, 29 minutes a night. I don't know. None and he of showed that. last season he can handle it. Yeah. Yeah. None of this conversation makes me feel good. And it's <laughs> it's worrying to me that, you know, I wrote the article about Ryan Murray a couple weeks ago. It's worrying how thin this defense is considering how much they focused on offense at the deadline. And it, I like and and looking down, I mean, you got Clem Denning, you got Carlson. Those guys aren't ready. Those guys aren't aren't prepared for this right now. I just from an organizational perspective, I mean, you have some guys down there who will be ready in two to three years, but I, it's a little worrisome for me. So that's, this that's is just an I aside think. to that. This is just an aside to that, Ryan. I wonder how much the Toronto trade for Jake Muzzin real early before the deadline kind of 
kind of chilled mm. the market on defensemen because yeah. Muzzin went for a high price. I know he had a year left, but man, Toronto gave up a lot to get him, and their defense has not been great since no. they even brought him in. And he was he was probably LA's best defenseman. I was I was okay. just gonna add real fast on Harrington. He's he's played seventy games, which is by far a career high for him. He's got seventeen points, fifteen assists. I don't think anyone saw that coming before the year started. Not at all. Not at all. But good for him, you know. I mean, yeah, it's tough to make it on a team with Taurus if you can't. But I think I think he brings a little, uh, more to the team offensively on that back end, which yeah. maybe they don't need so much right now. So I could I could see I could see that. But again, not feeling great about it. Anyway, all right, big week this week, boys. It is the final week of the regular season. Boston at home on Tuesday night the uh, home finale, and then at New York Rangers on Friday, at Ottawa Senators on Saturday, two teams who will not be playing playoff hockey. Three games left. Jackets are fighting for that first wild card spot, maybe third in the Metro. What's it going to take the rest of this week? What What is it going to take, Ryan? Um, five points. The magic point, the magic number to, for wild card one is five points going into this week. Um, some combination of us gaining points and uh, Carolina dropping points, adding up to five, gets us wild card one. That's what it takes. Okay. It's crazy to think that it's crazy to think that tomorrow is already the home uh, finale. But uh, yeah, they need to win. Well, first of all, they need to just win tomorrow's game. They can clinch a playoff spot. They need to just bring this. They're on NBC. They're on national TV again. This is a time to bring their playoff level at uh, atmosphere or really their their style of play that they've showed lately. Bring that on national TV against the potential playoff team they might face in the Bruins, who they're one and one against or one zero and one against. Um, yeah, they've played well against Boston. Just find a way to do what they've been doing against these guys. I think it's their, I, I'd see them winning two out of three this week. I think they have to, I mean, not have to, but beat the Bruins. And then whether it's New York or Ottawa, I mean, they could probably win all three if they win tomorrow night. But um, I think at least four out of the potential six points. I was nervous last week about the Buffalo game, not because it was Buffalo, but because, you know, Nashville's really good and they're on the road and it's a back-to-back. It's actually more of a back-to-back because they started an earlier time on Sunday and they, they did not show any signs of slowing down on Sunday night. So I feel a little bit better about this weekend's back-to-back um, this week, this weekend's back-to-back against New York and Ottawa. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I see them. I, I mean, who knows? I, who, who knows anymore? Who knows what they'll do? N- none of us saw this coming. Yeah. So who knows anymore? But I would love, it's like, I would love that that first wild card spot, and now it's one of those things where I didn't think it would happen, and now it's happened, and I want more. Like the playoffs were in doubt a week ago. Now the playoffs are not a certainty, but a, a whole heck of a lot more likely to happen. But I want more. I, I want Carolina to have to face Tampa. So I, I'm just I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to see the team in this position. I'm happy that tomorrow's game on national TV is actually worth something, and will be not a horrible fright-filled, nervous wreck. So that's neat. I'm happy for that. That's 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 where I am this week. It's the last week of the regular season. Just soak up the rest of these games before before it is a house of horrors with respect to watching the games and just nonstop. Um, what's the John Boys tweet? Why why watch overtime hockey? We can you just snort cocaine out of a off a motorcycle at a helicopter? 
Yes. Yes. That's coming. So <laughs> I guess we just enjoy the Rangers and Sens while we still can. All right. We have reached the end of the show. It goes by so quickly. So uh, final thoughts, boys. W- what have you got for your final thought for this episode? I forgot tomorrow night's game was on national TV. So there's that. Um, yeah. But it, it's, it'll be nice to be there. It'll be because uh, I'm going to the game tomorrow night or Tuesday night, I guess I should say, depending on when you are listening to this. But it will be a lot of fun. Um, but I just wanted to give a special shout out to Brandon Dubinsky. Um, I didn't get a chance to really talk about him during the podcast, but he's been my biggest surprise of late. Um, he's played excellent down the stretch here. He scored an empty net goal the other night and was rewarded for his play. Um, Dubinsky's play has slipped a lot. Father Time seems to be catching up with him, but he still wins key faceoffs for this team when they have to have it. He plays a lot on the penalty kill. He plays tough minutes. His role's been diminished. But he scored an empty net goal and was rewarded for his play of late. So I just wanted to give a special shout out to Brandon Dubinsky for his play. Well said. Yeah, tomorrow night, make a statement. They've made a statement within the last week, but they're not done yet. Bring it tomorrow night against a real playoff quality, another playoff quality team. Uh, just do what you've been doing. Uh, don't have to score five. Don't have to get a shutout, but... I'd like to see the same style of play just keep going, trans, you know, hopefully it just continues. So make a statement on national TV, beat the Bruins, and go into the weekend, ideally with a playoff spot already attached. But I guess depending on Montreal also does. But uh, yeah, we have three games to go, and now is not the time to let up. Amen. My final thought, Bill Davidge announced his retirement last week. It's going to be at the end of the season. And I know I was the guy who already wrote a column about who should replace him less than 48 hours after he did it. But I just want to pause for a second. It was really cool to see the comments on that post and some of the tweets we got about Bill Davidge and how every single person who said something about him, who who has met him, was that he was the nicest guy and took time to really listen to them and speak with them and didn't brush anybody off. And, you know, for somebody who's on television and whose job is to kind of be palatable to a wide swath of people, that's not in itself like a good human quality. But I think what he communicated to people and what he got across to people was a genuine care for what they had to say. And the way he treated the Blue Jackets, the way he treated hockey in this community. I mean, he's right down the road from Miami all those years ago. He clearly cares about Columbus and the growth of hockey in Columbus. And I mean, he's he has been with this team since its inception. So every Blue Jacket fan either owes, you know, some kind of hockey knowledge to Davidge, whether it was listening to him or watching him or seeing him break down plays. Everybody's learned something from da- from Bill Davidge or or at least, you know, just just grown up with him over the years, like watching all the pre and post and, and, and in-game stuff. Um, but I just I think it's really cool that the Blue Jackets, for all their foibles and misgivings and the way they have screwed up so much over the past 20 years, have had a guy like Davidge for this fan base, for this community and be able to to send somebody off with good wishes like that and make way for whoever comes next, I think is really cool. And um, it's something to be proud of for this franchise where there hasn't been a ton of stuff for that. So that's my final thought. And they're going to honor him in the arena on Tuesday night against the Boston Bruins. Oh, that rules. That'll be, there won't be a dry eye in the house, I think, for that. 
you know, cancer has touched a whole lot of people. So to see the way that he handled it and, and what he's done with it, raise money and awareness is, is super cool. And that was something that a lot of people also mentioned as well, how much that affected them. So uh, just a class act, just a great dude. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him that he's, he's doing this on his terms and looks like he's really going to enjoy retirement. That'll do it for us. Our theme music is Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons, who have recently announced the name of their new album titled 430. So check them out at angelapurley.com. You can rate us and leave us a review on iTunes and Google Play. And as always, we welcome your comments, questions, and feedback. You can tweet at us at cbjcanon and at cbjcanon and comment on jacketscanon.com. There's been some great articles in the past week. Will posted something about this team loves to pull you back in, and they certainly have with five wins in a row. Check out Pale Dragons, recap of the month of March, and Elaine's Monsters coverage, and just a ton of good stuff on there. We love reading all of our comments and feedback that you guys give us. From all of us at the Canon, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.